planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Welcome back to Rabbit Noise on Rabbit Radio. Joining me on the program now is the one and only Gary Newman. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much. It's awesome to have you on the program tonight. So your latest album, Splinter, Songs from a Broken Mind, is it's such a great album and it really stands up against all your previous work. When you set out to write a new album, how does the process usually start for you? It's pretty much... Um I'll spend a while making noises and samples. So I, I, I probably spend a couple of weeks or so just walking around or driving around with a little dictaphone mm-hmm. or some kind of recording device, and I bang things and scrape things and you know bash stuff together just to create a, a new sort of vocabulary of sounds. And then I go back to the studio and I work on those and you know manipulate things and put it through the software and so on. So by the time I actually start trying to write tunes, I've probably got several hundred what I think are cool sounds, you know, to work on. And then, then you sort of try to make them musical. But then the, the real work starts um, by, by just melodies, really. I, I, everything starts with a piano. So I sit down with a piano or a synth that sounds like a piano, whatever, mm. and um, and just work out all the tunes and the arrangements so that I have a, a basic skeleton skeleton of, of the song. And then um, I'll possibly do like a, a, a weird scat vocal over the top of that with no lyrics or anything like that, just singing noises and gobbledygook just to get the flow of it right and you know how the vocal's going to go. And then I normally spend a few a few days then with the software, you know, doing the production side of it, just building up layers, you know, putting the bass on the drums on and whatever it's going to be, and just building it up and building it up. Uh, then do the lyrics. That's pretty much the last thing that I do, the lyrics and then the final vocal. And that, that whole thing normally takes about four or five days so if I if I'm working well, I can do a song every four or five days, and then I send that off to to Aid Fenton, who produces my stuff now, uh, and he starts to work on it. And while he's doing that, I get on the next one, and we have like this little factory production line thing going, and it, it works really well. But that, yeah, that's basically how it works. That's an awesome process. It's actually interesting to hear, you know, going out and finding those sounds and things. That's that's a really cool way of of getting inspired. Well, it works for me. Yeah, you know. You know um, a lot of my music is, is it hinges around the, the sounds that are on it. Mm. You know, I, I think with electronic music in particular, it, it's very kind of driven by the sounds that you use rather than, um, you know, with a with a conventional guitar-based drum sort of lineup, yep. you're kind of going to have, you know, when you make a new album, you're going to have pretty much the same sound you had for the last one and the one before that. Exactly. You know, and no disrespect, that's, that's the sort of music that it is. But, but with electronic music you're able to come up with brand new sounds, completely different things every time you, you make an album. And if you don't want to have what everyone else has got, because you know, most people have the same equipment now, mm-hmm. the, the, the price of the, the software has come down to such a degree that pretty much everyone's going to have the same stuff that I've got, I would imagine, you know, Omnisphere and whatever it might be. Yeah. So we've all got the same sounds. So if you all just use the same sounds, you're gonna, we're all going to sound a little bit similar. 
So you, you you do have to go out and sort of create your own, so that you can mix and merge your own stuff, you know, with with what what comes with the software. Or else, um, there's nothing kind of unique about what you do. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. So um, one track off Splinter that really got me was Lost. That song, it, it just it really packs an emotional punch. As you know, music can be a very powerful thing and you know a friend to some people through hard times. And I'm sure that you've heard that from many people that have been uh, you know affected by your music. How how does that make you feel to know that you've helped people out that, in that way? Oh, it's, it's amazing, actually. Um, it, if I'm honest, you know, when, you, when you're writing a song, you, you're doing it in a very selfish way. You're not trying to help anyone. Mm. You've you just got your own things that you want to come out. I mean, Lost is a good example. When I wrote Lost, I, I, was, uh, I, I, got, uh, I got diagnosed with depression in 2008, and I was, I was down with that for about three or four years. And my wife had postnatal depression, so she was in a state, and I was in a state. And uh, and we we stopped getting on very well, and we started to argue quite a lot, and it got quite bad actually. At one point, I was actually think, thinking about leaving. You know, it was it got really heavy, and I and I wrote Lost on that day. You know, the day I was thinking I'm going to piss off. So you know, I went out that morning and I started to write down what it would be like. You know, if she wasn't there, and uh, the, the, the song evolved slightly during the making of it, but it it made it changed everything for, for me. So so that was a massively emotional thing for me, and. But it was very selfish. You know, I was simply writing it about me, about my life and my problems. And then it comes out, you know, sort of many, many months later, and you start to get messages from people saying, oh, no, I heard that song and it made me think differently. And, and it has this big effect on people. And you think, well, that, that's amazing. That, that's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm really glad that happens. And I'm, and I'm really proud of it, actually, you know, you know, when you get these messages, because it's such a cool thing to have touched people in such a profound way. But, as I say, if I'm honest, you know, when I wrote it, I wasn't thinking about anybody other than me and my wife. Mm. So it, all, it all starts in a very selfish place. But then once you put it out, you know, obviously it, it, it's sort of there for everybody. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. It, it really is. And, uh, well, personally, as a big fan of yours, there are so many songs that I love that mean quite a lot to me, like One Perfect Lie of Pure and Voice from Metal Rhythm. Will you be playing any of those songs live? Uh, we, we do. Obviously, the focus is on Sphinter. We do about nine songs on Sphinter. Mm-hmm. But we do we do some from Replicas, some from Pleasure Principle. We don't touch the middle years very much, uh, if I'm honest. We won't do anything from, from Metal Rhythm. For example, we do um, two songs from Pure. So we, we do we do a smattering of stuff from recent albums, and a smattering of stuff from the early albums. And I don't do anything from the bits in the middle. I have my own issues, unfortunately, with those what I call the middle years albums. It wasn't the best time for me. I, I, I don't think I wrote a lot of really good stuff in, the, in those middle years. I, I, I kind of I, I lost the plot a little bit. And I, you know, I got it back in '94. I, I, I was back on track, and I was very happy with what I was doing. Um, but for the few years before that, I, I think I, I wavered quite badly. And also, I had um, like I got girl singers, backing vocals, got fretless bass, saxophones, all kind of instrumentation that I don't have with this current band. So, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to sort of get in a saxophone player just to play one song or two songs. And, and also, the, the, I mean, the, the sound that I have now, the, the, the music is very heavy and very industrial. And I don't think a lot of that stuff in the middle years would kind of suit. I can take the early stuff, 
because strangely enough, you've only got to beef it up a little bit, and that 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 sits really comfortably beside the new stuff. They're both kind of industrial in their own way. Middle years period, uh, it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't translate for some reason. For the time being, uh, I'm not doing any of that, but I do quite a bit of the early stuff. You've written so many great songs that have been either covered or sampled by you know so many bands. Have there been any that really gotten your attention? Yeah, oh God, loads them. There have been so many um, that, that it's you know it's just such an amazing for me. You know, it's an amazing thing. You know, and I'm really proud of it. I, I, I wish I could be slightly more sort of cool and aloof about the whole thing and just take it for granted. But I really, I don't. I'm not like that. I yeah. think it's amazing, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. But some of them have been have been um, uh, fantastic. Now I, I remember I, I met Trent Reznor for the first time, God, I can't even know, years ago now, and he was making the Fragile album, and he bought me a copy of a of a song of mine that he had done called Metal, and it was ju- just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, much better than my version, my original version of it. I mean. So that was, man, that was a great moment. I, I remember the first time I heard the Foo Fighters doing a song called Down in the Park of mine. Mm. I thought, no, that's great. Marilyn Manson did that as well, actually. That was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, other people have sampled stuff. Um, uh, Basement Jack's that Where's Your Head At song. That was actually, it's essentially one of my songs with a different top to it. I did. That was a song of mine called Me that came from the Pleasure Principle album. And there's been you know, loads of stuff like that. And it's, it's just... Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. For, as, a, as a songwriter, I, I see myself as a songwriter first and foremost. Before a performer, or singer, or anything, I, I, I think of myself as a songwriter. And um, to have your songs covered by other people who are themselves great songwriters, it's such an honour. You know, and it's such a pat on the back. And uh, it's it's great. But you know, probably one of the most the, the thing I'm most proud of is is when people cover my songs. I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by it every time. I actually met you a couple of years ago in Brisbane uh, before your show, and we talked a little bit about you know what bands you were listening to at the time and things like that. So I'm actually interested to find out what have you been listening to of late. Well, um, there's a band in England uh, called uh, Officers. They toured with me um, a, a couple of years back now, I think. Oh, I think they're brilliant. They've done one uh, one album so far called On the Twelfth Throne. There's another one just about to come. Um, absolutely great band. Um, haven't made it yet, but I'm sure they will. Great band. There's another band um, called The Losers. Again, another British band that I think are really, really cool. They, they toured with me uh, earlier this year, I think it was. Maybe, no, maybe last year. No, last year. Um, then over here in in America, there's a band called Roman Remains. I think they're British, funny enough, but they're here at the moment. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. Absolutely brilliant. There, there, was, there was a band called The Duke Spirit. And this is kind of an offshoot of the Duke Spirit uh, that Roman remains. Really, really good. Because uh, got a, a girl singer called uh, Lena Moss. Fantastic voice. Absolutely fantastic. And just great. You know, great, great song. So there's a number of things, really, that I've, I've been listening to of late. But it's, you know, new bands, really, mainly. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to have to check those guys out. Um, are you a Combi Christ fan at all? Yeah, I love Combi Christ. I've had two attempts to go and see Comic Cross in the last year for various reasons. I've not made it either time, including one of not that long ago over here. So I'm determined to go and see them as soon as I possibly can. I keep trying and I keep failing. Amazing, amazing. I was going to say uh, their new album, We Love You, is it's mind-blowing. And that's actually one band that really? I was thinking the other day. Yeah, they're actually they're one band that I think 
it'd be cool to hear you collaborate with them, actually. I think that would just be something really cool. Yeah. In saying that, though, is there anyone that you'd want to collaborate with? Well, me and Trent have talked about doing something together uh, a number of times now. Um, never got it together, obviously, so far. Mm. When we've done some stuff on stage together, we've never actually done anything in a studio together. But, yeah, we, every, we sort of bump into each other because we actually only live about 20 minutes away from each other now. So now that I live in Los Angeles, um, you know, it's a lot easier, I guess, to kind of do something like that because we're both very busy. And before, when I lived in England, you know, if, if he had a spare bit of time, the chances are I'm going to be doing something else in England. You know, so yeah. it, it never really worked out. But that's, that's possible. But if I'm honest, I'm, I'm really not the most confident person when it comes to collaborating, although I've been doing this for a long time, I, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm a bit, um, I've sort of, got, I've got confidence issues basically. So I, I do, I'm all right in my own little bubble doing my mm. own thing, but to step out of that, I, I get a bit nervous about it. So it, it makes me very passive as a collaborator. You know, I, I don't go and seek people. I, I don't, you know, I, I would never dream of going to Trent and just say, you know that thing we talked about, why don't we do it tomorrow? I would never do that. I would wait for Trent to come to me. Every collaboration I've ever done, people have come to me and asked asked me about it. And that's absolutely not because I'm arrogant. It's quite the opposite. It's because I'm, I'm I don't have the confidence to go out and you know put myself forward to other people. So I kind of just sit back, really. There's um, there's something came in a few weeks ago, about two or three weeks ago, for a new band called The Vows. They, they want me to sing on a song of theirs. It, it's brilliant. It's a really clever song. So I'm, I'm going to do that. So that's kind of the way it works for me. You know, I, I just sort of sit back and wait for people to um, call me, really. Well, hopefully uh, Trent is uh, kicking back in a Sunday afternoon. He goes, I might give Gary a call. <laughs> and then boot down 20, 20 minutes down the road and, and get get jamming. That'd be uh, that'd be actually really cool to hear, man. He's so busy. You, you know, he goes from he goes from tour to album to soundtrack to tour. Yeah, you know, he's a he's absolutely he's got a work ethic that makes pretty much everyone else on the planet look lazy. So uh, I'm I'm sure he's filling up his spare time with something useful. I think there's more than one Trent personally. I think that that's the secret. <laughs> I think he's got like some kind of cloning machine. He just sends them all out to work at once and he sits at home and he can play video <laughs> games, hang with his family. <laughs> so, um, you know, as you're so busy with uh, music and touring, do you still find time to to fly these days? No, I don't, I don't do that much anymore. I don't do it at all anymore, actually. I, I, uh, I was an air display pilot and I used to teach uh, low-level aerobatics in World War II airplanes. I was an examiner for that for, for a couple of years. Yeah. So I got into it very heavily and very deeply, you know, and it was a real passion of mine. And then um, a number of things happened. A lot of my friends were killed in different crashes over the years. I kind of just used to that, you know, that was a, an acceptable risk, really. You know, everyone knew it could happen, and, and it, you just put up with it. In a, in a weird kind of way, it was, it was almost part of the excitement that you knew it was that dangerous. But then one particular person died, uh, my teammate, in a, in a, a two-ship um, display team that we had. And that hit my wife really hard. She, she knew him really, really well. She hadn't known any of the others really well. And so that freaked her out completely. And then she didn't want me to do it anymore. And so that, you know, that, had a, that has a, an impact on you. you know, I didn't want her to be terrified every weekend. You're wondering what's going to happen to me. And then we started a family. Uh, and the first baby came along. And it took quite a lot of 
forget, you know, my, our first baby was IVF because we, we couldn't uh, have babies normally. Initially, we, we did subsequently, but not with the first one. And then when the baby came along, I just thought, you know, that, that this is too reckless a hobby um, to have when you're when you're a, fa- a, a parent. You know, I, I I can't do I can't risk this anymore. You know, now that I've got a baby, and so I backed out of it quite a bit and just tried to do normal flying. And that just seemed so boring compared to the sort of flying I'd done before. And I, so I, I eventually sort of just dropped out the whole thing altogether. And I, I sold my aeroplane. Um, and then I, I, you know, I moved to America about a year and a half ago. So I've, I've been here for a year and a half and haven't done it at all since I've been here. But I do miss it. I, I, I miss it a lot, actually. So at some point in the future, maybe when the children are a bit older, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably get back into it. But... Yeah, again, see, life is so busy. I mean, I've got three children now. Yeah. So with three children and the career, you know, God, you know, having a, having a spare five minutes is a miracle, let alone time to go and fly an aeroplane around. Yeah, totally understand that one. It does get hard, but, you know, hopefully you get a chance to uh, get up there in the sky again and, and do what you love. Yeah. So, yeah. I've still got the interest, you know, so... so if I can get the time, you know, if, if things sort of calm down over the next year or two, which is unlikely, but if they do, then I'll, I would love to get involved again. I, I, do, I do really miss it. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Well, I hope you get a chance to. Well, we're going to go to the track Love, Hurt, Bleed off your new album, Splinter. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us today, Gary, and really can't wait to see you in Brisbane on May 27th. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Planning on travelling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 